of the glory in our stories. On this episode, we'll be speaking with Gabrielle King. afternoon uh good evening this is calvin pennywell jr this is episode 30 of the glory in our stories on this episode i'll be speaking with uh gabrielle king uh as a friend of mine i met about maybe it was about two one or two years ago is it i think so i think it's been about two years we were um gabrielle and her husband uh zach uh zach zachary king um they've both been attending um New Passion Church here in Grovetown, Grovetown, uh, Georgia. And I, my, me and my, who is now my fiance, Adrian Mar- uh, Marcia, whom a lot of people may know of, off uh, Facebook, um, we were visiting uh, New Passion and trying to decide on where to go because a lot of us, well, mo- her and I were going through a uh, transitional phrase, and um, that was one of the first churches uh, we decided to visit. And one thing that I do enjoy and always will now that I'm older is um, Nick's um, attention towards making sure that everyone receives the gospel like that's his top priority Mm -hmm. and as a child I wasn't paying attention and I was like this is I just knew I I had to go to church but I knew what God was but I didn't know who he was Mm -hmm. and Nick um, was an advocate of making sure that people not only knew who he was, but reminding people that God knew who you were as an individual. Yeah. Um, but one of the first few people that I did meet was um, Gabby. And you just have this natural, bubbly personality. <laughs> and <laughs> whenever I meet someone like that, it always blows my mind because when I was maybe a couple of years younger, I was... Um, it's constantly in a bad mood. Like when Adrian met me, she called me Mr. Grumpy Face <laughs> because I was I was always upset. Oh, I don't know why. Well, I it was a, an array of things, but it was a very dark time in my life. But it's always pleasing to meet somebody with a um, with a character characteristics like yourself. You know, because you always ask the question, "How? Like how how is this happening? How is this person able to smile in the midst of all this?" chaos that's going on in, in life let alone their own um but um uh, but i've known gabby like i said for a couple of years um her and zach are two of the coolest people i've met the reason being is because i can have a we can have open conversations and um they don't mind being silly i, I hate it <laughs> <laughs> i'm not a fan of being around people who's always completely stoic you know like you mm-hmm. like not really enjoying your life and i'm like why not why not be uh silly and step outside your your boxes, but um, but I guess we'll go ahead and start. Okay, uh, Gabby, where were you? Where were you born? I was born in a hospital in Lansing, Michigan. Michigan. And I grew up in Charlotte, Michigan. Yes, Charlotte, not Charlotte. But. <laughs> <laughs> How do you spell it? It's spelled exactly like Charlotte, but like the founder's wife, it's named after her, and she. They pronounced it Charlotte, so that is how it's pronounced. Charlotte, I like that. Yep. That's that's a little bit more creative than Charlotte. Yeah. 
because it sounds like Charlotte is a little bit has a little bit twang in it, like Charlotte. Mm-hmm. But how do you say it again? Charlotte. Charlotte. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's difficult for me to say, being that I lived down here my entire life. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So you you grew up there. Right? Yes. Yes. I apparently. Well, I guess I lived in Lansing for like two years of my life, and then my parents moved to Charlotte. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. So I grew up in the country with three younger sisters and my parents. A bunch of land, a couple of cows, like ninety-eight sheep. <laughs> <laughs> like literally. Yes. Wow. They were into sheep herding, raising, whatever. <laughs> did they name them? Or was this too no, to do that? No, <laughs> no. <laughs> they did kill them, but like for meat and stuff. And yeah. Yeah. That, that was, that <laughs> that was kind of dark. Super, I know. It's like Silence of the Lambs in my basement. Oh, literally? Like. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have yet to see that movie. Oh, really? Yeah, I've heard so much about it. That's one of my mom's favorite movies. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an odd favorite movie. <laughs> she likes, uh, what's his name? The guy. Oh, my goodness. What's his name? Hannibal. Is it Hannibal? Hannibal Lecter? Yeah, the, yeah. Guy, the guy that plays him. Oh, my. I'm going to be very upset once you tell me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Anthony Hopkins? Yes. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Odin, for those of you who don't know who that is, he oh, plays yeah. Odin. Um, one of the uh, iconic actors, um, but way before you all's time and our time, and probably for <laughs> our parents. I, it always surprised me about these older actors because they were older when we first got introduced, like Morgan Freeman. Like mm-hmm. he's, he's been old for a minute. He's just always been old. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah. Um, do you have a that you think speaking of sisters, no brothers? No brother. No, four girls in our wow. family. You ever wish you had a brother? <laughs> At any point. I think I asked you this already. <laughs> <laughs> when I was younger and a little more boy crazy, I wished I had an older brother that would set me up with his friends because I thought that's how that worked. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, in reality, that's never, ever happened. But (laughs) in my mind, it was like, yeah, I need an older brother so I can meet an older guy. I've always been an older guy since marrying someone 10 years older than me. (laughs) (laughs) It's just weird because my my sister wanted me to be what she wanted an older brother. Um, and I think probably for the same reasons, if not preventing her from making dumb mistakes. Because mm-hmm. I've seen where a lot of older brothers are like, nah, even with their friends, close friends that they've known for years. Like, you know what? I'm really, what do you think about such and such? Y'all have known each other for like all your lives. And they're like, nah, you don't want to, no. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to date him. They're like, but y'all brothers. Like, yeah, but still. Um, I think just like the protective aspect of it too, you know, just yeah. like someone like really caring about you like that. I yeah. wish that's something that I personally wanted to do with my younger siblings, but I didn't grow up with them. Oh. So unfortunately, being the baby, you never really lived that down. Like mm-hmm. no matter how old you get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like um, recently, my mom introduced me and said, and this is the bit, ba- like she said, the baby. And she had to stop. <laughs> And I looked at us. It's okay. It's, it's fine. Um, 
So how how far in ages are you and your your sisters? Um, we're all about two to three years apart from each other. Mm-hmm. Like there was one year where we turned. 21, 18, 16, and 13, which I thought was really cool because it's like all the big birthdays <laughs> in one year. So, yeah. So there's like eight years between me and my youngest sister. So how was that growing up with them? I bet you it was a lot of fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, we were homeschooled. So, like I was, I went to a Christian school through fourth grade and then my mom pulled me out to homeschool me. And I was homeschooled through the rest of my education, like through 12th grade (laughs) when I graduated. And it was, I don't know, it was just, when people are like, how do you like that? Like, it's like, it's my life. I don't know. You know, when you (laughs) don't know what, like, I don't know how I would like going to public school. So I don't know what the difference, you know. Yeah. So... Looking back, it was a lot to have four girls in one bathroom in the house. I I can vouch for that. And there were, I don't know, my sisters, I always thought they were really cool. (laughs) (laughs) They always had more friends than I did, kind of. Like, they were just the way the age groups worked out and everything, and there were just not very many people my age that I was really around or friends with. Mm -hmm. And yeah, my sisters, well, two of them specifically, they always had a lot of friends and I always thought they were cooler. And I wound up spending a lot of time hanging out with my like younger sister's friends. (laughs) (laughs) So what did y'all do when y'all, so what was the typical hangout activity for you guys? Like on a, Friday night or a Saturday. Because I know for us, um, a lot of people in Thompson, since Thompson's so small, everybody came here, like came to Augusta. That was the place to be because that's where all the clubs were. Obviously, clubs you're not supposed to get into. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, this was because we had nothing in Thompson. Thompson was is that big. So, yeah, it's that's kind of like Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we were about half away, half, wow, half an hour away from Lansing, which is the capital of Michigan, but it was kind of like the big city. It had the mall and everything, mm-hmm. but my parents never wanted to, like, we drove to Lansing once a month to go to Sam's Club and get our, like, food <laughs> for the month, like our really? monthly Lansing trip Wow! and come home. And then we were stuck in Charlotte. So... <laughs> <laughs> So, when we were younger, we just did a lot of, like, just hanging out at home. We lived in the country, like, on a dirt road, so we couldn't really, (laughs) there really wasn't much to do. Besides, I mean, we played outside a lot. My parents owned, like, almost 100 acres of Mm -hmm. land, so that was fun. But, yeah, we played outside a lot. I played the piano. Well, once I really got allergies to everything I kind of stayed inside but (laughs) um yeah and when we started getting older when I was like I don't know 17 or 18 Mm. is when we I started getting more like rebellious kind of and I did stupid things like 
take my sister and her friends to go spray paint stop signs in the middle of BFE, like, <laughs> which is hilarious because her friend got out of the van and tried doing it and she was too small, so she was jumping up. <laughs> it's like, we can't even do this right. <laughs> but yeah, so there was no, my mom did not like hanging out kind of mm-hmm. things. She never wanted us to be mall rats or anything. Like, they were very, very protective. Yeah. Well, I don't, obviously, I wouldn't blame them. Um, I know because growing up, my sisters obviously let me do more things than, than they did. And I was younger. And I didn't, sometimes I didn't understand it. Kind of like, if anybody should be able to do anything, it should be my older sisters. Mm-hmm. Obviously, they're a lot more wiser, not more responsible. Uh, but as far as, like, staying out late and walking down the street. I could obviously walk down the street by myself. My sisters can't. Well, couldn't. But, um, but how was... So when you all were playing outside, do, would you say that obviously there's a difference in the landscape up there than it is here, like during the summer and the winter and the different seasons? Well, it, yeah. I mean, Michigan has seasons, so. Yeah. <laughs> but like, the, like uh, winter, like say for instance, we, sometimes we get one, sometimes we don't. <laughs> and when we do, it's like a week long and then it's summer. Yeah. Like it's, it's odd stuff like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, winter, it just, I feel like I've, I've been in Georgia for like three, a little over three years now, mm-hmm. and I feel like I've started to get climatized to everything, but winter, yeah, it would get cold in Michigan, <laughs> like in the fall, and then it would snow maybe in December around Christmas and then the snow would not leave till like April. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Just so cold all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I used to tell people that I wanted to move up north and a lot of people that were from north up north say, no, you don't. <laughs> you say that now, but no, you don't. Um, so, um, this is a weird thing to say. Michigan... <laughs> To a lot of Southerners, seeing would be like it would be one of the whitest places in the world. <laughs> because you're like Michigan. <laughs> but I, I want, I would love to go to Michigan because it's a lot different than down here. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one thing about the South that um, it bothers me. It's a, it's a lot of, um, it's a narrow perspective down here. And to hear anyone such as yourself, such as yourself being born in Michigan, then coming here, even if you've only been here for three years. The next question probably be, why why here? You know, why the South? But I know that ties into you being married to Zach, who's military. About to, about to be, uh, who's actually about to retire. Yes, he is. And after how many years again? Um, It'll be a little over 21, I think. Once he retires, he goes on terminal leave, I guess they call it, in November. So mm-hmm. he stops going into work in November, and then he's officially a regular civilian in March. Nice. Yep. <laughs> so at what moment did you all, was this a collective decision, or was it like something that he, like, finally, they, this is what I want to do, or how did this come to about? To move to Augusta, or to well, retire? Well, to retire, because I know oh. he could have did more. Yeah, but. Um, he... It kind of goes along with him, like, figuring out what he wanted to do with his life. Like, when he got down here, he started getting more involved in 
video stuff like production and editing and mm -hmm. he taught himself a lot of stuff like just using youtube and stuff and i'm really proud of him he's really worked hard at getting good at what he likes to do and he's started he's made contacts with people in the film industry here yeah. and he really likes that and that's what he wanted to go into and the more <laughs> the more he found that and was working in that the more he realized how much the military was not his passion <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> like the harder it got to have to go back to regular work so mm -hmm. i think that was and there were a couple other factors um that kind of made him get out but yeah how did you all meet um, <laughs> uh, match.com really yes wow <laughs> Obviously a success story. So, yeah. yeah so far. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Was that a was that a scary experience? Because you know now you can just swipe swipe left or right nowadays and then take chances. So it <laughs> <laughs> I did not have the best like I don't have the mm. How do I want to say this? <laughs> I don't have the greatest compass on what should be scary experiences meeting people. <laughs> when I was a teenager, I would go like, well, once I got to the rebellious stage of like 17, 18, 19, I would like sneak out and meet guys I met online, which is horrifying. Like now that I think about it, it's like, thank God I was not trafficked or murdered. Like yeah. there's so many things that could have gone wrong and I'm still here. And yeah, so there are, <laughs> I feel like God really wanted Zach and I to end up together. Cause there's so many ways that like, he's lucky. Every time I think of stuff, I think about, um, you know, remember when Catfish, I'm not sure if it's still, does it still come on? I don't, I've never seen it. Oh, there was one episode where a guy met a girl, which he, well, he thought it was a girl, and he met her, <laughs> he asked her to come out, and apparently she just had this nice voice, nice womanly voice, just fell in love with her, and he asked her to come out, and it was a man. But he actually spoke like that. Like he, oh, my he, word. Like he, he manipulated his voice to sound like a woman. And that's weird. <laughs> he was so disappointed, obviously. <laughs> but the guy who was supposed to be the girl, um, she had, he, dang goodness, he had a voice. <laughs> his expression was like, I didn't want it to get to this point because I know that he's going to find out. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I was like, I really want to meet her. So they met, and it was the most awkward thing in the world. <laughs> oh, man. Um, but how long, okay, how long were you um, you guys together before you decided to get married? So we... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty certain whatever it is, I think I heard a recent scenario, and it might have sounded weird to somebody else, but it made sense to me. So. Well, like, I know people that have gotten married way quicker. Like, yeah. they met, and then the end of the month, they were married kind of stuff. Like, <laughs> But, <laughs> so, we 
finally met in person and <laughs> we were engaged probably four months later which was i think that's enough time to... it was still kind of rushing yeah. it like we moved in together and lived with each other and we were engaged for so long and then we actually broke up Oh, wow. I broke up with him, and we were broken up for a few months, and then <laughs> we got back together and got engaged and got married within like a month. So, like, <laughs> <laughs> what what uh what changed your mind? Well, time? when we broke up, it was because he he was not a Christian when I met him. Mm-hmm. He wasn't. Like, a, like atheist or anything, but he just wasn't sure about everything. Yeah, and he likes to think things through and figure mm. things out. And I was like, "That's like, I don't want to force you into this decision. You know, it's a really important decision, but I can't wait forever for maybe you making this decision. You know? Yeah. And there had been, I did not have a good history at all of relationships like it was very I was never a very strong person in the relationship it was yeah yeah just always yeah (laughs) I just wasn't good at making decisions for myself in relationships and that was one where it's like I just need to do this because this is my future and I'm not going to marry someone who's not a Christian and yeah, and I'm not going to force you into it because I want to be real for you. So I moved, I went back to Michigan to stay with my parents. It was around the holidays. So I was there for a few months, I think. And then one night he called me and he's like, so we had, I had a conversation with pastor Dave or whatever. I don't remember his <laughs> name, <laughs> but <clears throat> It was like, yeah, we prayed. And it was so weird that I felt this, like, sense of peace afterwards. And I was like, yes, like, I know it's real. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So that's kind of what, because we really loved each other. Like, that was the only thing kind of standing in the way of anything. And then, so we had kept talking and then he found out he was getting deployed. Oh, <laughs> so wow. it was like, well, if we're going to do this, let's do it now. Yeah. So so we, so I planned a wedding in under three months. And the wedding was fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> For only having three months. Yeah. And, <clears throat> we, um, and being in February. Because there were a lot of people that were like, I planned a wedding in a month, and I didn't spend over a hundred dollars. It's like you probably got married in your backyard. Do you want to stand in my backyard in February in Michigan? Like, no, probably not. <laughs> or in March, but yeah. still, same thing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so, and then a week after we got married, he was deployed to Kuwait for nine months. So mm. that was, yep. <laughs> wow. Were you still in Michigan when he was? De- Deployed. Yes, I rented a house in Charlotte so that I was near family and friends and everything. So how was that experience with having someone, like having your spouse deployed it? Like that time, 
with yourself, the the psychology of it. Like, what do you go through as a spouse? Because I'm I'm always I can only imagine. Because if you don't have um, like a strong support group, good friends, or even a, a strong family, it seemed like anything could happen within that time span. But how was that experience for you? Well, um, there. <laughs> 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 anything can happen because there are a lot of military wives that don't honor their husbands or relationships during yeah. deployments and <laughs> I was on the phone with him one night and I was like seriously all I do is hang out with my sister and the people at church so it's either lesbians or like 60 year old <laughs> women so like there's nothing you need to worry about <laughs> like, <laughs> that, uh, yeah, that like, sounds like nothing against either of those just yeah. like nothing's gonna happen for me in those <laughs> situations <laughs> I don't know now these 60 years old are popping <laughs> popping off like these young kids um, but, but yeah, it was, for me, I think I, even though I said earlier that I wasn't good at being like independent in relationships and making decisions, I am a very independent person. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, I know what's happening and I'm just doing my own thing. Like it's definitely, it was hard, but we, we got to Skype a lot. I had a horrible sleep schedule that whole year because he was like 10 hours ahead of me. (laughs) So I would be going, (laughs) I would stay up all night until like two or three in the morning when Mm -hmm. he would be getting up and then we'd Skype for a little bit and then I'd fall asleep. (laughs) (laughs) But Mm. yeah, it was, I think the weirdest part was him coming back. Because it's like, we've been married for a year, but I don't really know this person. You know, yeah. like, yeah. it's imagine. still awkward to be around this person. Yeah, that was different. <laughs> How many times have he, he's had to, to leave since you all have been married? That's the only time he's been deployed. Okay. Um, he's gone TDY, which is like temporary duty. Um which lasts for a week to six or eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, he's done that a few times, either going to Kuwait or Tampa. <laughs> <laughs> I guess someone has to do it, but <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, he's done that a few times. Not as much in the last year or so, but so within well, since you've obviously since you all been married. Mm-hmm. What major changes have you seen, noticed in yourself, like in regards to your own personal passions and aspirations and things that you want to do? Um, hmm. Do they stem from previous dreams that you've, that you've had I before? I think so, yes. There, were, there are dreams that I've had that I've always kind of, like growing up, well, when I was, in elementary school and junior high, I was like set on going to a Christian college and marrying a guy who would become a pastor and I was going to be a pastor's wife. Like, <laughs> that was going to be my life. And then it went nothing like that. <laughs> but yeah, I've always wanted to be 
like be on stage or be an entertainer or a speaker mm-hmm. or something. Um, I love music, so I I thought about like being in a band or something. Um, for a while, like I really just like helping people. It's going to sound so weird. And a few of my friends make fun of me because it's so, like, like the whitest, <laughs> bougie millennial thing to say. But, like, like I am doing training this year to become a life coach. And I've always... Hey, that's, that's, that's not an easy thing to do, I believe. Because you have to have a certain mindset mm-hmm. with everyone. Yeah. Everyone. And you come in con- you're gonna come come in contact, and obviously you have in the past come in contact with so many different people yeah. that are hindered by something, and they have to get over that, and they have to get through it. But you do need someone to guide you yeah. through that, and yeah. I think it takes a very specific and special individual to do that. Like so. I realized that when I was after the line to be a pastor's wife, I was like, maybe I should be a guidance counselor or something. Cause mm-hmm. I really just want to help people. I've always wanted to mobilize people. If that yeah. makes sense, yeah. like create awareness about what they could do and help them realize and hone their gifts and skills and stuff to create the life they want to live. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. That- so that's always kind of been in my heart. And do you, do you find yourself moving closer towards that? or? Um... Yes, it's been very slow and very like the the family circus comic with the kid that goes like, like he has to get to the mailbox and he goes freaking around the house and the block and everything to get, <laughs> like to get 10 feet. <laughs> it feels like that a lot of times, but there have been, in the past few years, there's been a lot where it's like, okay, I'm finally like getting footing and making progress and feeling really good about where I am and who I am and this is what I'm supposed to be doing and this is why and yeah yeah um I think recently I'm not sure how recent it was did you post a vision board on yes Facebook? I did what did that consist of? I forgot I haven't seen it in a while but what is um the major well it was it? within the next six months I had three personal and three business goals that I wanted to attain. Mm-hmm. And the three personal were reading one book a week, losing like 60 pounds, I think. And I can't remember the third one. That's awful. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but a couple of the other business ones were creating a passive income stream and becoming a life coach. I can't remember the third one. Oh my word. I feel <laughs> awful now. People are going to hear this. So you got four for six. It's going to be the worst life coach ever. <laughs> <laughs> the two life coaches that I've seen, oh, both of them happen to be um, African American women, but their stories are remarkable. Um, I know one of them was, she was a single mom. It was a point in her life where I think it was just her and her son, and she decided at some point, metaphorically or literally, people are find themselves at the lowest point, and they look and they say, "I would never be here again." 
And once they get up, they just keep going up and up and up. And then when you're up, you literally see other people that are mm-hmm. down. And they're like, if I can do this at my lowest of low, me looking at you, realizing that your obstacles aren't the same as mine. So, But I, even if so, you have the potential to come out of that and maximize what's already inside of you. And anybody that tells me that they are going, they would, like, it's, that's the, now honestly, that's the first time I actually heard anyone in person say that they want to be a life coach. Really? Yes, because I've seen it on television, <laughs> and I think that, I used to think that people have to be a certain, have a certain caliber to have that position. And I think it's a lot of, I think no, it's... No, you wouldn't have to have any caliber. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be a life coach. <laughs> but it's just, with the fact that hearing you say it, and knowing you who you are, mm-hmm. based off how, for how long I've known you, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I can see how... I can see that because you have a genuine desire to bring out the best in people. Like you, when you, in, in um, anybody's presence or anybody's, um, when you're talking to anyone, like you, you want, you want the best out of the experience. Mm-hmm. You don't focus on the negative or anybody's flaws. Yeah. And that's, that could, that's the word, that's the last thing you want to do when, <laughs> co- when coaching someone because yeah. That's already magnified to them, but this you have a, I believe that you have a unique unique way of telling them, hey, this is not the biggest aspect of your life. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. So um, really quick, I just <laughs> looked it up. <laughs> my other two goals were to start a YouTube channel and to pay off half of my debt, which have our debt because my husband's retiring and yeah. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. So, <laughs> But that kind of goes with the, like what you're saying about the bottom and you're like, I'm never going to be here again. Like, I agree with that. But then there have been times in my life where it's like, I just keep like redefining what rock bottom is. Like, I thought <laughs> I couldn't go any lower. And here we are. <laughs> like, oh, I was doing so good. And then just everything collapsed. And here I am again. And... But it's still, like, just the experience that you take from things. Do you know? Like, if you learn from those experiences and your mistakes or whatever, mm-hmm. like, it won't be, you won't be on the bottom as long as you were last time. And yeah. you'll be able to get farther than you went earlier. So, so I'm listening to Gabrielle and I'm thinking to myself that there many of us know that scenario in the movies where uh, the cable breaks on the elevator and the, the um, elevator goes down all of a sudden it stops and they're like nobody move and then all of a sudden the, the cable breaks again and then it starts plummeting and I was thinking about how she said when you, you can get low but you didn't think that you can get any lower and then bam you hit it and that is so human that is so true. That has happened to me on countless scenarios. But uh, the awesome thing is Gabrielle is in a position where she's alive to talk about it. And that's the beauty and the glory in her story. So um, please continue to listen to Gabrielle King, uh, episode 30. And uh, I hope you enjoy listening to it as much as I do. So. Yeah. So as far as, if you don't mind mentioning, at least you don't have to if you don't want to. 
But as far as all your experience, has been any in particular that you probably felt that you weren't going to get out of? And if you did get out of it, you figured it was going to be a while for you to be where you wanted to be. Um, yes. I have, like, just in general, I've struggled with depression and anxiety for a major part of my life. Mm-hmm. And when I was a teenager, I, like, cut myself and mm-hmm. really was very emotional. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, there have been a couple times... It's weird, like, <clears throat> the thing that's coming to mind right now is one of the times when I was a little kid, I didn't have many friends. And yeah. I remember crying in my room, praying that God would make my Barbies become real because wow. I wanted friends. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a very, yeah. Now, if they but, did, that would have been an awesome movie. <laughs> like, a well, <laughs> my mom probably would have like burned the house down or exercised <laughs> something. <laughs> but I think that's kind of like talking about learning from experience. I think that's helped me because community is a huge part of my core values yeah. and everything. And I really want people to feel like they belong and that yeah. like someone cares about them and someone wants to hang out with them or was thinking of them and send a text and and that's one thing like I want to help other people realize that it's not that hard to do like I'm kind of an introvert and in our small group like almost everybody's an introvert but (laughs) but I've kind of realized in the last couple years that there have been like it gets to a point where you need someone to take the first step, you know, to be mm. brave and like, I'm going to invite you to this thing we're doing and it's going to be really hard not to take it personally if you say you're busy, but <laughs> but I want you to know you're invited because yeah. you're part of our community and we care about you. And, and even just checking in on people, like, I don't know, it seems, I think that's a way that I can tell that I've grown because it seems like something that would have been really scary and like, mm-hmm. Like, who am I to check in on people? You know, like, yeah. I don't... Just kind of minimizing my influence or reach into other people's lives. Mm-hmm. And instead of just walking out into the life God has given me. And, mm. and that has definitely... Another thing that comes with kind of growing into the person that God's created me to be is... Um, like doubting myself majorly like a couple months ago I was in church and just hearing a passing comment and it wasn't even to me it was someone talking to someone else and (laughs) it was someone that had just started getting involved in the youth ministry yeah and I've been involved in the youth ministry for a while and I've loved Mm -hmm. doing stuff with the youth and just like suddenly like that it was like in my head like 
that person can easily do what you do. Like, you don't need to be here. You don't, like, you could so easily be replaced and yeah. no one needs you. And what kind of a difference do you make in anyone's life? And I actually, I left church because I was, like, sobbing uncontrollably. Oh, and wow. I came home, but I just sat in the driveway because I was feeling so low that I didn't want to come inside because I knew that we had like we own a gun and Mm -hmm. knives and things and I didn't want to do anything in a rash decision that would have been stupid or permanent and Mm -hmm. it was so hard like that took like probably about a month to really get to a point where it was like I was feeling okay with myself and and I Mm. knew that it was like a spiritual attack you know and but it was still just so like like what is the point of my life (laughs) and I had to really and it kind of just helped me take the next step toward like I really just have to be confidence in who God says I am because that's the truth whether mm-hmm. whatever I feel like at the moment like God says I'm worthy and loved and you know valued and yeah and it's <laughs> that sounds weird to say but I think that can help other people too you know because a lot yeah. of women especially women a lot but a lot of people struggle with that in general. And, like, you're... <laughs> sounds so cliche, but you are here for a reason. Like, if you if you woke up this morning, there is a reason that you are here. And yeah. God still has a plan for you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got, that, that still... Because sometimes things happen to people are like, why are you surprised? Because a lot of people do not believe in people anymore. And what bothers me about that is we can look at someone and say um, how we feel or totally disregard them. But I'm like, that person is just as much as God's child as I am. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's very difficult to accept, especially when people like deliberately go out of their way to do something very selfish and... Um, act like total jerks, and to or just be- driving like on the freeway. Like, are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, especially when you share eye contact with, like, you you see the deliberation. Like, you you did that on purpose. There's no mistake about that. Yeah, yeah. You, you had a choice. Yeah. And this is what you decided to do. So to be in a pro and it's and I understand how that feels when somebody says something, even if it's indirect or directly to you. For them to be in a position and have enough nerve to say that, and I, they obviously can't see you at your best. Uh, the example that I used before was people will always see you as a bag full of Legos at a garage sale. They will never see the box you came out of, and they will never see the, the overall picture of what you will create. They can only see you at what you are. They can only see you at the price that they place on the bag, but they will never know your full value. And I had to accept that because that's that's how people, they only go by what they see. Yeah. 
That's really, I've never heard that, but that's really a cool way to think about it. Like, so I, when you told me about that, the most, that most recent experience, I was like, I understand that. And it seems like your passion is people. And that's one thing that um, at one of uh, Adrian's breakfasts, I, she asked me to, to to lead one, and I said, "What was your what was your red flower?" Because it was in red. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And the thing. yes, and I realized that everybody's the majority of everyone's purpose and, and passion was people, and for you to literally weep, not just for yourself, but for somebody to be in that position to actually receive that. That for you to hurt as well, you know that that says a lot. That says a lot. So, um, but I can every going into what you said that you want to do, which is life coach, life coach. Everything else is everything is coming together towards that and yes. helping me realize that hey, this is something that I can I can personally see you doing and actually help because you actually care. <laughs> you actually care, and yeah. that's, and being around people, well, you, sometimes you can tell. Yeah. Um, the the authenticity of their um, intentions, um, but yours is obviously um, solid, and we need more people in our lives that are like that. And if anybody, definitely a life coach. <laughs> um, but I understand being in that position and wanting to do something like that. So, um, but what is it? One, what's one thing that every morning that you possibly either tell yourself or something that that gets you out of bed, something that wakes you up and reminds you how worthy and um, your life is, in a sense. Well, so I am really, um, I'm a very entrepreneurial-minded, spirited person. Mm -hmm. So I've always been looking for ways to make more money or extra money or whatever. Like I want to, <laughs> when I go, like I just, I want to make a lot of money so I can help people. Yeah. Like, yeah, it would be nice to own a boat too. But like, <laughs> but I mean, how do orphanages get built with money? Like yeah. I hate when people like rag on rich Christian, you know, like, mm -hmm. like being rich and a Christian is somehow an acting more. I'm like, no. <laughs> like, wow. But there was a moment a few months ago where I was just thinking about my life and we live like we live in a we live a pretty nice life right now mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was just thinking like I could have been born in Africa you know or yeah. like India where my mom died of malaria or something, you know, just something so like, like there are so many people who did not choose the life they're living, you know, yeah. in the hand that was dealt to them. And me being in my position, I need to become the best me I can be which sounds so cliche but like for real just make the most mm -hmm. of my situation and my life and all the resources that I've been blessed with like I need to work my butt off because like in the bible it talks about he who's been given much much will be required of him you know yeah. and like I've been given 
a lot and I want to use that to help others. So I will like, I get up and it's like, I need to do this so that I can help the people that I haven't even met yet. You know, like there will be people in the future that I'm going to influence and they need me to get out of bed and start working on this right now so that they can be encouraged and yeah. So there's a, there's a fire in you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, my mom makes fun. We, we always use movie quotes and one of my favorite is, um, it was Spider-Man one, the one with Tobey Maguire. He said, with great power comes great responsibility. Yes. And, you know, we watching it. I'm like, oh, okay. That's <laughs> but that's, it's, it's true. Yeah. It's, it's very much true. Um, but in, in light of all that, what would you say has been the most challenging experience that you've ever had? Is it, is it was it that um, period in your life where you, when you do have those moments dealing with depression and anxiety, or has there been something in your life where it was like it changed you in a way that you knew that you were changing? Because that's been happening to me a lot the older I get. Like I, I, I feel it. I feel the changes and I see them and I'm like I'm not the person that I was two years ago or even two months ago and it's becoming more um, blatant now because I'm consciously aware of it mm-hmm. so and I guess in your lifespan is it what's that one pivotal thing if you can name one that was very extremely life changing for you um hmm <laughs> Sounds like there's a lot of them. Yeah, there's just like a ton of little things, especially mistakes were made. Like, but it was also like those mistakes led me to where I am. Like, I literally can't see how I would be here without all of the choices I made. Yeah. So it's crazy to see God working in that. But back to your question. Um, I don't know what I feel bad now. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, actually, yes, I do know. Um, so about a year ago, mm-hmm. I think it was, it was a little while ago, but we had moved to Georgia and we were going to the church we're attending and I had always been really interested in youth ministry mm-hmm. and they were looking for a youth director. Mm-hmm. That's how it was worded on the website. So <laughs> I applied for it and I was like, what if this is like what God wants me to do? And that was like a very hard no. Like (laughs) it was, um, like it had been misworded on the website and it was a youth pastor position that they were looking for. And our church doesn't believe in putting women in pastoral positions. Okay. And that was really, really hard for me because I was like, God, I really felt you 
I really thought this was something I needed to do and this like door was just like slammed in my face and (laughs) um but it became like over the course of that next year I realized like God has a plan for me and it wasn't what I thought his plan was which does you're listening to that like (laughs) but like I wanted to be like going back to when I was younger, like I wanted to be a pastor's wife. Like I wanted to be a leader of a ministry or something. And it's like I, God has not called me to be a pastor's wife right now. Like yeah. he has called me to be and do something else. And it was hard to kind of come to grips with that. But it was like, it's way easier to say, okay, and start following that path than to keep like, banging on the door he's obviously closed like (laughs) like, why won't you open this like like, i've got something for you over here if you'd stop looking at that closed door for a second like so i think that was one of the more defining moments in my life just realizing like like it's okay to not it was kind of like I had had in my head, like, this is what the perfect Christian Gabrielle King would do. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, that isn't. Like, God has something else. And that's totally okay. You don't have to be in the leadership position in the youth ministry. You don't, like, you don't have to be working in every ministry in the church. Like, you could be doing something outside the church and still be doing what God has called you to do and what God's made you for. So, yeah, I think that was kind of the start of everything, like finally falling into place when it was like, oh, okay, like, <laughs> like this is what you're doing. Okay. <laughs> that's, uh, that's funny because thinking back on um, going back to movies, uh, the first Transformers when, um, uh, what's his name? Shia LaBeouf? It's the character. Oh. Sam. Oh. Sam, sorry. Sam, uh, what we- Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's dad, of course, was um, driving him around. He's going to give him a car. And he pulled up to the, to the dealership. He was like, no, no, dad, no. No way. He was like, you're right. I'm not. You're not getting a Porsche. <laughs> <laughs> In his face, like he just sunk into his seat. And then his dad drove him to a used car lot. Um, but he had no idea that he was about to jump into a transformer. Like he had no idea. <laughs> no idea. Because he was disappointed by this. Like, this this has to be it. Because I've, I've been in that position. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, God, this has to be it. He's like, no, no. And at that moment, I felt like a child. Because I'm like, I'm disappointed because I had my, as children do, they have their hands open to receive and it's not given to them. Like the feelings are hurt. And, but it's, it's pretty cool in a sense, because you're like, if you said no to this, then whatever's over here, it has to be greater than this. Yeah. But at the same time, you're like, well, I can't see this. I can see this. Yeah. But I can't see that. 
And sometimes I do wish God would throw us bones. And be like, just give, just give me a hint. Let like me know a dream something. or something. Just Please. Like to hold on to that. Like. Man, like, this is torture. Because, and especially when you see everybody else yeah. receiving it. And I'm like, them? Really? Because you, cause you end up comparing. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, I, know, I know how that feels. And um, Another thing that's helped with that, though, is the... Um, the greatest showman soundtrack, the mm-hmm. song This Is Me, like, yeah, know what? Like, it doesn't matter what anyone else thinks. Like, this is who you created me to be. And as long as I walk out in that, I'm not going to be alone because I know you are with me in this, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah, I love that, song. I love oh, that it's, soundtrack. It's, <laughs> man, because I, I, I tell people all the time, I don't like music. <laughs> but that's the only second that's the second movie I've ever watched that was a musical musical that I really really liked and that scene in itself that led up to that yeah that was pissing me off yeah and I'm like what you, really like this you this this is the uh Hugh Jackman's character I'm like they're the reason why you're here but yeah. you're gonna and I was like man what's so that that anthem that attitude yeah and I perfectly understood, and I was so proud of her. Uh, and I was like, "Yes, yes!" To like just walking through that that uh, whole um, the crowd and yes. the foyer and everything, yeah. Man. And just being confident in yourself, and like, I don't care what you think anymore. Like, this is who mm-hmm. I am, and you can deal with it. So, and that was, I know a couple of people didn't. <laughs> really care for that movie because they had mentioned that scene and they're like then they just drop it and it never comes up again and it's I kind of like it because of that because it's like he I mean in reality he wasn't the best person anyway but (laughs) (laughs) like he didn't become this perfect redeemed you know like it wasn't like a 180 but it was still but he created something he create he helped create a community where they found family and mm-hmm. they found themselves and it's like anyone like if he could do that anyone could do can help anyone else you know exactly yeah yeah so um going back cuz i wanted to touch base on this cuz i thought this was very interesting the concept of depression and anxiety mm-hmm. um I know I actually lost I lost a friend to depression. Didn't know that she was depressed. Didn't make sense until after the fact because she actually asked to borrow a specific book from me. And this book is the uh, Perks of Being a Wallflower. Oh. So when she asked to read it, and then I she gave it back, and then she told me that she she related more with the the uh, the main character. And I'm like, the main character was like the god of introverts. Like he didn't every his life was lived on the outside. All he saw this the whole book was him telling what he saw. Mm-hmm. Never heard about anything he did. He was always on the outside. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, was that how she felt? And then I got the news that she passed, and the signs weren't there. I didn't see them, mm-hmm. but in retrospect, I started seeing bits and pieces and stuff like that. And I remember being that low. To the point where, and I shared this recently with a friend, and I was like, I, I wanted to die, but I wasn't bold enough 
to do it by my own hands. So I say I literally prayed. I said, God, I just please go ahead and take me. I, I was dead. I wasn't playing around. And it's funny how that works because he knew that that was going to happen. So it just so happened my phone. I always cut my put my phone on mute, like no matter what, because I don't want it to ring wherever I'm at. Mm-hmm. So it never dawns on me to like cut your volume on. And I forgot to cut it off. And somebody, my ex-girlfriend from 10 years ago, texted me. Never heard of her, never seen her in a decade. She said, hey, this is such and such. And I was like, oh, this has to be a sign from God. <laughs> this is a sign for us to be together. So I, <laughs> I dug so hard and I dove right in. Mm-hmm. Only for him to say, uh-uh. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, really? This? <laughs> like, you let this happen? How? You can't make this up. Like, you... How did, how, why? Yeah. And he was like, only because I knew that at this point in your life, you wouldn't want to be alive. And I know my children. So I knew how to get your attention. Yeah. Let me put somebody that you loved in high school, that you thought were the epitome of your being. Mm-hmm. I mean, put them back in your life only to remind you, not only do you not want that, but you want something more. And it's just amazing how people, people that I, some people that I know, are identifying that opposed to just sweeping it under the rug like this is what it is yeah. and they're, you're, you're addressing that and a lot of people have that but they don't want to come out and say it and I believe that's like one of the biggest steps towards dealing with it is calling it what it is yeah yeah so um but do you still are you learning how to I guess manage through it in a sense yeah I think um well, I take medication for it, mm-hmm. so which was hard. Like, I finally found one that was really good because there were a couple that were really bad and made it way worse. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I do that, and I make sure that I reach out to people. Like, mm-hmm. after the most recent incident, I was talking to two of the women in our church who Mm -hmm. I'm friends with and they were like that's really scary because we didn't like we saw you at church and you looked fine you know like we couldn't have told anything was wrong and like at least give us a chance to help you like if you're feeling that way you know and for me it was like I don't want to I didn't want to bother anyone I know everyone's going through their own stuff but like reach out to people people want to help you you know like there are like it's a lie that you're alone and that no one is there for you you know like people may be busy but your life is more important and they will agree with that and yeah I think just being more open and like our um, one of the things that Nick says and that is kind of posted around the church <laughs> is mm-hmm. like it's okay to not be okay and yeah. I think a lot of a lot of the Christian culture needs to learn that you know like it's mm-hmm. you aren't always okay and hiding it is just helping the devil win that battle you know yeah. like <laughs> Like you need to bring it into the light so that people can fight with you and for you and yeah. 
So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I used to think that you had to be perfect. Yeah, they had to be spotless, mm-hmm. um, untainted. That that was something that you reached, and you never went back down. You never backslid, or you never had a bad day. Mm-hmm. You never cursed anybody out, or you never uh, did anything vindictive to somebody that you love. Like you just never. You just once you reach your plateau, like that was it. Yeah. Um, but I was uh, quickly reminded that. Like all of God, all of Jesus' disciples weren't the most perfect men in the world. <laughs> and these are the men that he chose to initiate the church and to spread the gospel. And even anybody else that he's used, from Moses to even Samson, you know, like yeah. this, he was a womanizer. And he specifically <laughs> told him, this, don't do this. But he, he knew that he would. But. I've all, been listening to the Old Testament and they're like. Just starting in Genesis and then going through Exodus, there's so many times where it's like, really? (laughs) Like, you guys are the, like, fathers of the world and Christianity, and you are so stupid. Like, like, how can you keep making that decision? God's like, don't freak out. And they're like, ah, we're going to freak out now. Like, we're totally going to do this because I know you said that, but... It was like a year ago, so we're totally doing our own thing now. Like, <laughs> so man, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We did a we did a lot of stupid stuff, a lot of stupid stuff. Um, but it was it's for his glory. That's the that's the scary thing to consider. Like when something happens, like it's for his glory. Yeah. Uh, but piggybacking on that, what would you say is the uh, the the glory in your story, if you could? define it um i think it would be i don't know i was thinking about that like i know you sent me the questions kind of beforehand but like <laughs> <laughs> some of the general questions but i think it would be just like remembering that it's not it's not about me yeah. Like it's like it's all about Jesus and I don't have to do anything but just be loved. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like the I have a really bad problem with road rage. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a little bit vindictive. Like I really care about people, but I am also, as Nick calls it, an injustice collector. Like <laughs> you screwed up and you need to pay now. Like, I need to see that happening right now. (laughs) But the other day I was driving and I, like, I was getting mad because someone dared pass me. Like, (laughs) and I was like, wow, you are so dumb. You need to chill out. And then in my head it was like, you aren't dumb. You don't know how loved you are. And it was like, Oh my word, like, you're right. Like, if you really knew how much God loved you, like, nothing else matters, you know? Like, that, like, it doesn't matter what you go through. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) So, I think that's it. Like, just, like I said earlier, there are so many things where it's like, how in the world did God use that? 
to get me to where I am now when I feel like this is where I'm supposed to be, you know? Yeah. And, yeah, I don't have to know. I just have to know that God loves me, and that's it. Mm. That's, uh, speaking of the road rage, I was at Walmart, and mm. I saw a truck bypass a car. Cut off, it cut off a car. But it just so happened when it cut the car off, there was a stop light. So the car had to stop. So the car pulled up, stopped, got out of the car, <laughs> walked up to the guy's um, drive, the, the driver's, uh-huh. seat, driver's side. And it just so happened that the lights were green, so they just sped off. But in my mind, I'm like, yo, you, you just, you know, I'm like, you deserve that. You did. <laughs> Not the person that got out of the car, but the yeah. person in the truck. I'm like, yeah. Cause he, it was so, it was so, it was such a hard, it was a harsh cutoff. Yeah. Like I, even I was like, I was, I was upset. <laughs> so, and sometimes my, like listening, watching my sisters, when you said that, I understand. Like, cause sometimes I'm like, okay. Cause like they, like my sister in Atlanta, you know, she's used to that, that traffic, mm-hmm. but my other sister, she can get kind of verbal with the people next to her. Um, but Gabby, thank you for your time. Um, yes. We could, I know we could talk more. For those of you who are listening, some experiences that she's had, I I tried to think of a way to to word it, and I will call it the unfortunate, unfortunate events. Un- unfortunate, unfortunate. Like she she's told me some things, that I'm like, wow, why, why did this, why did this happen? And like you said, it's like something, one thing after another after another. So when you spoke about going here, then having to come back, then go here, then come back, and it's like no matter what, it's just something that just keep constantly pulling you. Um, but like you said, if it wasn't for those moments where God got you through this, mm-hmm. you you wouldn't be where you are. Mm-hmm. And and it's and I think it's pretty cool because if somebody comes to you and say I, this something happened to me, this, like this happened to me, this is the end of end of the world for me. And you can say, you well, this happened to me. It's, you're not comparing, but I'm like, there is light on the other side. And that's yeah. cliche stuff. It's cliche to say that, but it's so true, though. Yeah, like there is a quote I heard that was like, the one with the most hope has the most influence. And like, that's my goal to have the most hope. And like that, like that really sucks what you're going through. And I'm really sorry, but I promise you that there are better days ahead of you you know yeah and that you will make it out and it will be okay and it will get better but. and that's um i think that's the the the, the epitome of a uh, life coach is <laughs> for people to remind if it's for someone mm-hmm. to remind you of that because sometimes hearing it from anybody else or any other source isn't enough yeah and sometimes people are like well God is not helping me the way that I want him to help me now. Yeah. But then somebody comes up to you and say the same exact thing God's been telling you. But he knew, <laughs> he knew that if I speak through such and such, they would definitely mm-hmm. hear me and know who I am. Uh, but again, thank you for your time. Yes, thank you for having me. Uh, I've been really looking forward to this uh, because we've been able to speak in bits and pieces, mm-hmm. but to actually uh, receive your story uh, is pretty cool. So I really appreciate that. Um, for those of you who are listening, this is, again, episode 30 of The Glory in Our Stories uh, featuring um, Gabrielle King. <laughs>